if my stuff falls out, I mean, God forbid to get caught up in the chain. Are you serious? Are you serious out here? No, 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 no. Y'all need a red flag that. Because otherwise, I'm Kim McAdoo. I'm dedicated. Y'all see me hit the ground. And y'all see me get up. Y'all know I don't care. I don't see him finishing the year. I, I just don't. Because, again, I don't believe that the risk that it's going to take for Eli even to just get fifth is, to me, almost the same risk that it's going to take to just go out there and try to win. I don't necessarily think everybody's truly happy for Jet because that's kind of what they expected. But I don't think it has anything to do with they don't respect him or the disrespect. They might not like him. They might not like anything that he does. And, and maybe the last few weeks maybe changed the opinion they, of, of who they thought he was. What's up, guys? You know who it is. Your boy, JS7. And you know where we at. We at the Rerun Show, baby. From round five, Detroit, Michigan. Home of the Detroit Lions. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, they were Jared Goff. They were up there showing in that stadium. They might have been sitting in the stands with you this weekend watching the race. What they were watching, they was watching the best in the world go at it. We also got to see Danger Boy. We didn't see much of him because he had a little bent handlebars and there was a little action in the first corner, but we were excited to see the East Coast go into it. And what are we going to see after the Triple Crown with Jason Anderson? Finally, don't get penalized by AMA. Would Jet Lawrence come back with Avengers and get another victory? Would Chase Sexton continue to do what he's been doing? Or would Eli Tomac continue that streak what he was able to win last week? Well, you know what we got to do, people. Even though we saw Cooper Webb, the only person that was mad on getting the stew, the only person that could win without ever winning, would he finally win? Well, you know what we're going to do, people. So let's go ahead and do it. Round five, Detroit, Michigan. Let's do it. And uh, how about it? We're, we're back in Detroit, baby. Like I said, these fans, I mean, I couldn't even hear my bike when I passed for first. And it was, uh, it was cool, man. I- well, coming back to the football stadiums, um, now, you, you, you get back to the traditional, you know, 180s. Detroit looked like a normal Supercross track to me. It really wasn't anything that stood out. The only thing that did stand out was the dirt. You could see that it was an East Coast race where you had all the ruts and it was really uh, sticky, but also it was hard. And for me, those are almost the hardest conditions to ride in because you don't have one way or the other. Like, you, you can't set your bike up you know, for the ruts, like stiff because it's soft because it actually has a hard base to them. And then usually the ruts don't break, um, break loose. So it was a difficult, um, condition. It was really difficult for these guys to, um, you know, manage. And the previous couple of years you saw Detroit, you know, look like this. It has a hard base to it, but then it has a rocks, not as, um, gnarly as Indy as far as the stickiness, but it, it was like a mix between the two. And I think a lot of guys struggle with it. But overall, um, the whoops were the whoops. They were they were tough, but not really a standout like Anaheim, you know, three couple years ago where the whoops were like gnarly. Um, that's the track just broke down. So it was one of those races that I always used to say with Justin Barsha, like you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And even the guy up front, Jet Lawrence, we saw how good he looked and how many mistakes he was able to he made. 
So that just um, shows you how tricky the track was. But Detroit looked like Detroit to me. Um, and I was glad I was home on the couch because JS, I didn't like those conditions. And, um, you know, but it was good to see the best in the world attack it. Well, last weekend, we saw a bunch of guys win races. We saw Jason Anderson. Jason Anderson. We saw Eli Tomac. Eli Tomac is back. We saw Chase Sexton. Chase Sexton wins. And each one of those guys were like dominant when they won their race. Like they were pretty far ahead. So you got to believe they had a lot of confidence. And it was one of those things that if I'm Jason, like, could I continue that? It's a different soil here coming into this weekend at Detroit. If I'm Chase Sexton, I've been riding the same all year, but I have a dominant race. And then I have a 10th place. And then Eli Tomac, we saw what happened to him. But overall, the guy that won was the guy that never won. And that was Cooper Webb. So coming in this weekend, you know, he was mad and he wanted to probably revenge the neck burn and get really a neck burn because he was like, man, JS, his his computer wouldn't even give me a neck burn. So I need to officially get one. So I think with Cooper, to me, he rode good. Like he had that tip tip over in the sand. It just fell over. Not wet noodle-ish, but it was wet noodle-ish. But Cooper got a bad start in the main event. And in my opinion, I think it was one of his best rides of the year. Like the the way he looked on the motorcycle, how easy it looked, and the pace um, he was able to catch those guys. It was one of those things that you look at Cooper and, and over previous years, he usually wears people down. Like he's just kind of there, kind of there, and eventually they get tired and Cooper, Spider-Man sticks him with his web. This year, Cooper's actually catching fools. Like he actually running them down. Like he has a speed and I think obviously the change on the Yamaha has been a good thing for him, but you got to give props to Cooper himself, the whole camp, the Webb family um, for making that change, but also um, making a gain in an area that over his career, he hasn't necessarily been the best at and that speed. Because when you watch Cooper these days, I'll say Cooper can actually catch somebody and he actually has speed to catch somebody, and that's dangerous when you have a two-time champ like him. So Cooper Webb, I know it's not the result he wanted, but when I watched him, I actually think it was the best he rode all year, even over Anaheim, even uh, over the race that he won last weekend, just because the way he looked on his motorcycle um, and everything. So when I look at the Yamaha and I look at Cooper Webb, considering how he rides the bike, Cooper is one of those riders that don't move around a lot. Like, he's not... It's not like Jason Anderson when he's hanging off the back or not like Chase Sexton when he's on the front. Like Cooper rides pretty centered and usually shorter guys kind of ride that way. Like they're pretty balanced on the motorcycle, um, you know, and the fact that they they sit in the center. So just the ergonomics of the Yamaha, it would kind of make sense the way that bike is centered. Um, most of the way it's kind of in the middle and, and uh, yeah, spread over. They spread it out over the years, but it's a pretty centered motorcycle. So just thinking about it technique-wise and how Cooper rides, it makes sense why he just looks good on that motorcycle. And that's what I see visually is that it just looks like it's easy for him. Like he doesn't have to move around the bike a lot to make anything happen. Like he just sits there and it just does what he know, what he needs it to do. So um, with Cooper Webb, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've noticed this year. Yeah, he's changed. Um, a little bit of his technique stuff, but that obviously changes because he feels comfortable on the motorcycle to make that change. I just think the way the Yamaha is, the ergonomics of the motorcycle, the way Cooper Webb rides, it makes it makes a lot of sense why he looks the best he has um, mostly his whole career. 
and we're seeing it in fruition. And I think he's only going to get better um, as the year goes out, as he gets more comfortable, as he sees the, um, he starts believing in it. I think Cooper is going to be pretty good throughout the rest of this year. So another guy we were talking about was Jason Anderson. Came in with a lot of momentum, came in with a little less money than he had last weekend because the AMA on Zayla. <laughs> Got he. <laughs> I said Jason's bike looked great last weekend. The uh, slipper conditions, the way the Kawasaki handles, the way he was RJ and those whoops, just no respect for. Like he he looked good. So we were wondering how would El Hombre, would he come back with a vengeance? I think the last couple of weekends has actually helped him with the little bit of stuff that happened with Jet Lawrence. And then obviously the way he rode last weekend, would he be able to continue the uh, his momentum um, this weekend? Well, we saw Jason kind of have the similar effect. Like I thought he rode pretty good. I think some of the parts where his motorcycle stood out last weekend, being a little bit softer, didn't necessarily transition to here in Detroit. Uh, because of the conditions, it was a little bit stickier. Some of the um, jump faces and the rhythm sections, they were a little bit shorter and steeper. And with the ruts, um, you don't necessarily want a soft motorcycle because you, you're more concerned about the, the foot pegs dragging and all these other things, or you're getting the huckabuck. So Jason, I think he rode the same as he did last week. I just think his bike wasn't um, that much better than everyone else noticeable. And it kind of just put him in no man's land and he tried being there with Jet in the heat race, but where you can really see the difference between his bike and Jet um, during the race, and this was happening during the heat race, is when you watch Jason come across the, the start, when they hit the finish line, they go around that sweeper. And when Jason was trying to get into that rhythm section, those guys were going over that first table and then going three and then three. Jason was having a really hard time to actually get over that table to go for that next three. And the reason he was doing that is because his bike is a little bit softer. So to be able to get over that three, you needed a bike that had some rebound, like it needed to spring back. And if you look at Jet's bike, we talked about how his is a little bit more stiffer, um, st- stiff than most, but definitely stiffer than Jason's. You can see Jet get over it and he had like his bike helped him get over that three where El Hombre's, he would get over it and his bike would soak it up. So he couldn't get the pop and he would come up short over that. So that was one of the things that you could see visually in the heat race. And that's the difference where I was saying just his bike, um, he was struggling a little bit more with his bike set up. If it's good on hard pack, it's maybe not necessarily going to be as good on the um, soft stuff. And so that was the biggest difference that I saw. But I think El Hombre rode fine and um, he was able to battle with AP, which is the next guy I was going to talk about um, in the main event, kind of hold on to it. And then leading into Aaron Plessinger, AP did what AP does. You know, he rode like he's been riding all year. I think there's been races, like I said, the mud race and then the, the how dominant he was at uh, San Diego. Aaron is obviously riding better and he has his whole career. He looks happy. The bite looks good. I think just everything is just coming a little bit easier for him. You know, but when you watch Aaron, um, I think the way he, as I was saying, he's a title threat. I think the reason why he's a title threat is because obviously he's good and he's been there, done that. But I think Aaron's going to be one of those guys that he can win a race like he won uh, a couple weeks ago. And then he, his consistency, like he'll just get like fourth or fifth. And if he keeps stacking those chips and just kind of there, I don't necessarily think 
Jet Lawrence and his his competition is necessarily worried about Aaron, which allow him when Jet has an off night or Chase has an off night, Aaron's just going to be there. And he might have one of these races like he had last year at Detroit where he just catches fire and he outruns everybody or you have a mud race. And so when I look at Aaron, he's doing exactly what I think he uh, what I thought he would be doing and he's doing the right thing. He's just going to be there consistency. He has the speed when everything is on to outrun these dudes. But he could end up winning the title just because those guys are battling between each other and being that consistent and happy-go-lucky Aaron Plessinger and the fact that he is fast enough to win. Um, he can end up towards the end of the year and be like right here like he is right now, only a couple points out of the championship. And people go, whoa. But I don't think he's going to do it like the Jet Lawrence way where he's like, no, nah, that dude's just – no, he was best one. Like he's he's better. He didn't win because he fell. Um or he won the best guy didn't win the championship. Aaron can win it in a different way. And, um, you know, I think if he just keeps fighting that number seven might get that red plate again, but him, the whole KTM team, Aaron looks good to me. Going from the guy who's happy, go lucky. Yeehaw. Cowboy just smiling, got the stash, did a mullet, pretty number seven. It was red. Ain't going to be red this weekend, but it still looks good to this guy, Eli Tomac. Now, he goes from the happiest guy to maybe one of the guys that probably has the most question marks. And it was a struggle for Eli. It struggled. It was a, it was a hard weekend. It reminded me of the first race. It, same thing. Like, he had some speed. Some things didn't go right. And then he started going backwards. And then I said last weekend at Triple Crown, like, he, he rode the same all, all day. But obviously, to start the last time, you know, he's Eli Tomac. Come on, dude. He's won 51 of these things. He knows how to get it done. So, but there was a struggle where I was saying that, was he all in? And not all in if he was training, but that mental side where I was saying, like, I still don't see that part from Eli. Like, I when he gets a bad start, he comes up like Cooper Cooper did or, or even Jet did or Jason. When he does that, then I'll know because – it just seems like there's something like missing. And a, a part of that is when you, you get hurt, you're thinking about retiring. You're just unsure. Now, I heard a couple different reasons. I heard it was a shock thing, um, a bike, um, you know, bike problem. I heard maybe hurt himself. I don't know. I don't know. What I saw Saturday night was what I've been kind of seeing all year. And the only way I can... I'm going to speak off of it, and Eli, I'm sorry if I'm wrong. I'm sorry. There's no disrespect because I'm speaking from experience. I'm only speaking as of what if I was watching myself or I and the way, you know, Eli is a champion and being there and coming back, you seeing Jet Lawrence, feeling like you have the speed and having that, like, no matter how hard I tried, like, I'm either going to have to hit the ground to race with these dudes or I just don't got it. If I'm in that position, then I'm going to end up doing what exactly what Eli did. And before people say he quit or why did he give up or why he didn't fight, you just don't know. When you're here and you're on that top level, you don't just, you're not okay with being here. Like Eli Tomac is not going to finish fifth to eighth. Like he ain't going to be that guy. Even though he's going to finish fifth or eighth, it's going to be because Either he was out front and he ends up that far or he gets a bad start and he ends up in eighth. Like he's not going to be just a fifth to eighth place guy. That's not Eli Tomac. 
And the reason I say that is because once you've been here, you, you're not okay with this. Like the reason why he's been here is because he ain't okay with being this guy. And that's not a knock or a negative, but when Eli gets in this situation, like if I'm out there racing, this is what, if it was me and I was being honest and what happened to me on Saturday night, if I'm Eli Tomac, all right, I got out there and I'm like, all right, I came off last weekend. I still got it. I still got it. Back of my head, I'm not sure if I got it, but I got it, right? Jet Lawrence, he couldn't catch me. I actually made him crash. Yeah, so I made him crash. So I'm coming back out. Jet Lawrence in front of me. Like, I'm, I'm Eli Tomac. I know how to get this thing done. And I'm riding. Chase Sexton gets by me. Huh, that's weird. I was able to, like, I mean, he was fast last year. And I know Jay say he ain't as fast this year, but he's pretty consistent. So, all right, whatever, whatever. I'm staying here. And next thing you know, like, I can't keep this pace up. You know, make it running the pace. I feel like I'm taking these chances. And I'm still getting pulled away. Oh, man, this kind of sucks. This sucks. I don't want to hit the ground. I don't want like, be laid up, little Johnny, but I can't rob these guys. And there's something that clicks. There's something that clicks, and it's not like you quit. You just realize, like, possibly, and again, this is what I'm thinking. I don't got it. I don't have it. Well, my whole mindset, my whole career is I'm here to win or I'm not here at all. I'm not. So, as you're racing and you're doing everything you possibly can and you're out there trying to do it and these guys are still pulling away from you and then you have Kenny Roxon come up, a guy that you were able to like beat last couple of years, then he passes you, then then everything just falls apart because we all know how good Kenny is, you know, but when you feel like there's no reasons why I shouldn't be able to like win this race because I'm up here, I'm up here, they're right in front of me. Like, I got a good start. Like, there's nothing wrong, and I still can't keep that pace. There's just a mindset that clicks with him, and it's it's almost like you can't you can't even fight for fifth place. Like, you can't fight. And I think that's why you saw Eli just really go backwards, like really go backwards. And, I, again, if I'm wrong, Eli, I'm sorry. I think – there's, it's not even a negative. It's just a part how great you've been your whole career and how dominant you are. It's just impossible for anyone to be able to go from that level to just being mediocre and just finishing. I mean, we saw what happened with Cooper Webb a couple of years ago. Like it was wet noodleish. Like the guy was just winning a championship. He's not okay with just being like in the middle, like middle of the pack. And I would even say Cooper Webb is even different than Eli. Eli has it worse because Eli's always had the speed. We never questioned the speed with Eli. So to have the one thing that you've always had um, be the one thing that you can't overcome and, and you're not as fast, it's just difficult. So I think what we saw with Eli is, again, what we've been seeing all year long. And it, it just makes you wonder, what's next? What's next? Now, do I feel like Eli Tomac's done? No, I don't. I, I don't think he's done. Do I feel like Eli Tomac's on a, you know, teeter-totter borderline of going this way, this way, or this way? No, I don't think so. I don't think he's going this way. I think Eli can either continue where he's at and be competitive and just mentally, because he still has his speed, clearly, as we saw last weekend, but just that mental fight, and just being able to be comfortable taking those chances. We saw how Jet Lawrence almost crashed over the um, out front 
is Eli going to be comfortable doing that, just running that pace to being able to have a chance to battle with Jet, to have a chance to battle with Chase? Because that's what he's going to have to do. And I wouldn't even say Jet Lawrence without a control. I just say Jet Lawrence to run his pace. There's a danger to it. Is Eli okay with running that? Because if he ain't, then it's, I don't see him finishing the year. I, I just don't. Because again, I don't believe that the risk that it's going to take for Eli even to just get fifth is to me almost the same risk it's going to take to just go out there and try to win. And if you don't feel like you have a chance to win, then, and you know, you ain't all about fifth place, where do you go from this point? And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think these next three races is going to tell you the rest of Eli's season, whether we kind of seen the last of them or, or how I would just say even how he finishes up with the Supercross because if we get to Daytona and we have something like that, then it's, it's a wrap. Like if this was Daytona, we saw how he was struggling last year with the bike setup at Daytona, but he was still able to just make it happen. Um, if we get there and we have a race like this, then then I I think that was probably the last you'd see. And again, I, this ain't even a negative. This is what happens to all great champions. Like everybody except for Ricky Carmichael, he dipped out. Like he won, he dipped out. I couldn't give him the business. I wanted him to get like an Eli Tomac, but he dipped out on me. Um, it's just difficult to go through there. And I can only speak because I was there. Like I was there and I went from feeling like I could win races to battling with my boy, Benny Bloss, even though I wasn't battling with him in my mind, I was battling with him, but I went from here to like back here and there was really nothing I could do about it. Like there was a mindset that just changed and Eli, I feel like is in that position. And so it ain't a lack of effort. The dude ain't quitting on you. Like he ain't rolling over. He's giving you everything he's got, but it's like a guy that's trying to win a championship that only needs a fifth place. When he goes in that mindset of getting that fifth place after winning all these races, that fifth place one, like it changes everything about him. And it's something about just a mindset. Mine's a powerful thing. It just changes the way he is. And I think that's what we saw um, Saturday night. So hopefully Eli, he can get to 52. He needs it. But that was Eli Tomac. Chase Sexton. Pretty chin. Pretty chin. I think I've said he had a pretty chin before. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Ready to get those stains tipped out. But Chase Sexton. Chase Sexton been riding like Chase Sexton has all year. I've been saying it like he's really consistent. He has the races where he can be dominant. Like he did that first race in that Triple Crown. Then he have other races where he's Chase Sexton. He's good, but he's going to finish third a few seconds back. Now, I believe just like everybody and just the mental side of things, Chase Sexton is getting, I would say, those third places instead of how it was at Anaheim being, you know, 15 seconds back. I think they're more like five down because you get into the season, you get that confidence and just confidence alone can just help close that gap down that the, the gap confidence alone is not going to like close the gap for you just be just all, all right faster than the guy. So I think this way to chase is racing this year is, is actually really good. Like clearly he has the, the, um, the red plate, but chase looked good in the heat race. He looked, Solid in the heat race. And then he looked good in the main event. But there's a part where he's like right there. But he just, 
you can't go no faster. And that's kind of what I've been talking about all year. Um, and not to harp on it, but for a guy like Chase Sexton, I think it's the best thing for him because when you watch him ride, he just looks so- solid. Like he looks like he's going to be there every weekend, every weekend. And when guys make mistakes, um, it's he's going to capitalize. And just on a side note, it almost reminds me, and I said this before, it reminds me of Ryan Dungey, but almost it also reminds me of a guy, Chad Reed. And in the, in the mindset, if I'm Jet Lawrence, where Chad was always going to be on the podium, always on the podium. So even though I felt like I had the speed on him, it put a lot of pressure on me because I couldn't make that mistake. Like I couldn't go down in that first corner without having, you know, Indianapolis, you know, last, first place kind of ride every weekend. I, I couldn't have the Daytonas where, you know, I can win seven races in a row, have a sixth place in Daytona, and now I'm back down in the points. So it reminds me the way Chase is riding, that consistency, and not only the guy's fast, and he obviously he can win races, but if I'm Jet Lawrence, I know I don't have that room for error where he's not going to be hitting the ground like he was in the previous, so I can't count on that. So it just puts some more pressure on him, but back to Chase. He's riding like he has all year, and you saw that in the main event. Like, he was there, and he would actually somewhat close up on Jet Lawrence, but when he would try to go any faster, he would make those mistakes, but he's, like, just continue like, right there, right there, right there, but he still is lacking that speed, and that's where I say the whole KTM and kind of where he is and the difference this year is that small gap that he's going to have to win in different type of ways. And I think Chase is handling that pretty good. You could tell like he's more confidence at it, um, more confidence when he's riding. And almost when I hear him in his interviews, like he's starting to embrace that. Like he, there was a point where I felt like either I heard him say or I just read my own lips or I just made him say it myself. But it's like he knows that point and he's okay with that. And he's just going to keep grinding those guys out. And he sees the what's happening. He sees that he has the red plate. And he sees that the the likelihood of the way I'm riding, me getting off the podium or outside the top five, if I continue just doing this, that ain't going to happen. But well, I'll see the discrepancies of a guy like Jet Lawrence. I've seen him get a sixth place. I've seen him have off nights. I've seen him almost hit the ground. Or with me, um, I feel like I'm there. So the I I think I can just just stay even killed throughout the year. And hopefully maybe one of these other guys have it, but nonetheless, he's embracing that. It's a different mindset and change than he has in his whole career. And I think Chase looks good. And like I said before, I think it's the best I've seen him ride just overall and dude's looking good. Like he's, he's solid. Obviously he's good because he's got the red plate. If the championship ended today, your champ would be your champ again. And that's saying something. So keep it up. So we saw you brought up that Chase would make up that difference and then kind of fall back a little bit to Jet. We also saw that kind of with Rox and he pushed quite a bit um, in the first half of the main and even Ferrandis and then they both kind of fell off. What was the cause? Like why, why did these guys push so good in the beginning of the part of the race and then fall off a little bit? Yeah, that's a good question. So with Chase Sexton, I don't think it's, I think what happened to him is different than what happens to Roxon and Ferrandis. And I was playing that. I think what happens with Chase is kind of what I've been saying. Like there's a limit to how fast he can go. And so with him, if he's, let's just say he's, um, you know, 10th off um, or 10th faster than Jet. Well, the gap that he had to make up to Jet 
he would have to just be consistent and be okay with just making a tenth or half tenth and just kind of slowly creep, creep, creep. And maybe by the end of the race, he would close that gap. But he would have to just, if he continued his pace, he would, could close that gap. But that's kind of hard because you're waiting for one mistake and one mistake, then you drop back. And just as a rider, you're like, I know I'm faster. And if I'm catching him, I should just go a little bit more. And then what happens is once he tries to go and be two tenths or three tenths, then he he overrides the motorcycle. Then he makes a mistake. Then he drops back. And then he has to recover and try to do that again. With Chase Sexton, I think what was happening with him, that jet was like right there and that he felt comfortable running the pace that he he had. And But and when you feel comfortable running that pace, you feel like you can go faster. Well, running the faster pace, put in more jeopardy, the bike doesn't work, and there's a limit to him. And then, so that's why he was going back and forth. Now, with Roxon and Ferrandez, I believe those guys, they had a pace and they were catching They were catching guys. They were going faster. Like we saw Ferrandez get around Eli. We saw um, Kenny actually starting to close in on Chase. He got around Eli as well. But for lap, round lap 10, that pace drops off. So for them, it's different than Chase. Chase was trying to, over, like he was trying to close that gap. He, so he started overriding the motorcycle where I think with Roxon and Ferrandez, uh, visually, like you can see them, they were coming up. But around lap 10, it just comes to a fitness thing. That track was tough. And as a rider, you understand that I'm not probably going to catch that guy. Like I think Ken and even um, Dylan, they probably realized that there was a certain point in that race. Like they realized that they weren't going to catch the guy in front of them. And what happens is like you, you realize how difficult this track is and the, the pace that you're going fatigue catch, catches in and it's not just fatigue like i'm out of shape it's fatigue on one that track is breaking down it is difficult a lot of guys are making mistakes and the likelihood of you actually continuing this pace without you making a big mistake is probably unlikely so when i say the difference t- between sexton and then you have Ferrandis and roxon well i believe again sexton was trying to catch jet he started over on this bike and he started making a mistake, and that's why he was close and then losing time, then coming back up. Where for Roxon and Ferrandez, they were making that time up, but they couldn't keep that pace. They couldn't keep the pace. The track was deteriorating, and the likelihood of them catching um, Chase um, or anybody in front of him was unlikely. So I think, again, the, the difference between those two were just the way um, – one, the way the track was set up, the gap that they had, and just as any racer, I remember back in 2014, it was at Seattle. Same thing was happening almost to what Chase was going through um, with Jet. Villapoto was up front. I made some passes, and I was faster than Villapoto, but I was only catching him a certain amount, and it wasn't I wasn't catching him quick enough as JS would like. But it was a weird race because if I – if I just kind of continue riding that same pace, eventually I would catch him because it, it was easy. I was catching him easy. But when I actually tried to catch him, I made so many mistakes. It was like I was like riding at 50 percent. And then when I went to like 55 percent, it was like I was out of control. Well, in these types of tracks and when the track gets really like gnarly like this, there's a limit how to how fast you can go, honestly. And sometimes that limit to how fast you can go doesn't allow you to be able to catch that guy as quick as you can, as quick as you need to, because one, you're eventually going to get tired. 
and the likelihood of you running that pace without making mistakes, it's, it's pretty difficult. So you get caught in the spot of knowing that this track's going to break down. I can't keep this pace up. So I got to try to make up more time quicker so I can get onto this guy. And once I latch onto him, then all, then everything is game on then. But you try to do those things at a certain amount of time as quickly as you can. And I think that's what you saw with Roxanne and Ferrandez. They were coming up, but obviously they wasn't catching the guy in front of them quick enough. And they knew they can't continue to run this pace. One, the track and all these things. And that's why you saw at lap 10, from that point on, it dropped downhill. And again, it was for everyone. But for those guys, they had to make up the time and they didn't do it quick enough. And it was just a little bit different than Chase. So Jet Lawrence. Uh, he was back. I wouldn't even say he left because he's been back. He was there the whole time, so I guess he wouldn't be back. But Jet Lawrence has had a couple issues lately, and there was really a lot of off-the-bike stuff, really just kind of perception. You know, he was he heard some some issues, some boos from fans, and and then he kind of got into it with some of the riders. And then last weekend, um, we saw him have some crashes or almost crashes, um, look un-Jet Lawrence-like, but Jet Lawrence has been riding like Jet Lawrence has all year, really. Like, the difference to me is that he got a start, and that's for most of these guys. We see the difference. They get a start, they win, and they don't get a start, they don't win. Well, Jet, he got a start, and he won. All the same things that was happening previous, like his bike, it it looks stiff to me. I, I think his bike looks and considering the way the outdoors is and the way what happens when you get a start and you don't, I feel like if Jet would have got a bad start, then it might have been somewhat of a similar as last weekend. Like, I don't know if he would have been able to come up and win the race, even though when he was out front, he, he looked like he was doing it somewhat easy, like those guys couldn't catch him. And the reason I say that is because in the beginning part, even with the heat race and the beginning part of the race, like those guys were there. And then as the race kind of settles in, then Jet starts kind of taking those chunks out. He starts building that lead. And the reason he's able to do that is because he's just riding at his own pace. Like we saw, and I just explained what, what Chase was going through. Like, yeah, he can run there and he can run behind Jet and he might be able to catch him. But to be able to catch and pass him, he had to take it up a notch. Well, we saw anybody that tried to take it up a notch, they were making mistakes. So with Jet Lawrence, the situation was flipped. He didn't have to make the time. He dictated it. And so when you watched in the heat race and you watched the beginning part of Maine, they were there and he just kept like just slowly trickling away to overall by the end of it, it looked like he had a pretty big lead and it looked like he was doing it easy. Well, we obviously saw some of the mistakes and one the almost big crash, which we'll break that down in a second. But I just think, again, if you would have flipped it around and Jet would have got a bad start, then they would have been the same as it was the previous weeks because his bike still looks stiff. And when it's too stiff, as I said, there's a way that Jet goes fast around the racetrack and him going fast around the racetrack isn't like just wide open. I'm just going to hit everything faster. He's got, he does it in by lines. He does it by being creative. He does it when he passed Jason uh, by being really quick in rhythm sections and hitting it. Well, you got to, in order to do that, you got to have, clear track. You got to be able to hit the the lines that you need to hit. You got to be patient. And it's hard being patient when you know you got to make up the time and you got to make it up pretty quick. So to me, Jet killed it as he always did, but he didn't really do anything different than he has all year long. Jet 
wrote the same. And I think it was really just the dictated of he got a start and he was able to control the race, which he did all last season during outdoors. And if you go back to it, that's why Jet was really good. And I said, what makes him dangerous is him knowing what he needs to do. And he does it. He knows he needs to be up front and not because he ain't faster than those guys or because he's worried about coming in the pack. He just knows the race is a lot easier and he's going to put those guys in the same situation that he was in last weekend chasing Eli Tomac where they got to make that business decision on whether they're going to try to get around to 18 or not or finish the second place. So I think Jet wrote great. I think he wrote great last weekend and to me, it was the circumstances. He got the whole shot, and those guys didn't. And when he gets to start, he wins, and they don't. Simple as that. So there was a moment in the race where Jet Lawrence was after the finish line, and he hit the finish line, and there was a double up going in the corner, and they came out, so 180, and they, like, seat uh, bounce triple on top of his tabletop. Well, you saw Jet Lawrence come out the corner, and he, al- he almost, almost ends the night right there or into afternoon in Detroit. So what happens, he gets in the rut coming out of that corner and obviously he doesn't, he, he doesn't get into it properly. Like he kind of, I think he gets in, he stands up a little bit and then he drops it back in. And what he does, he starts losing traction coming out of that corner, like his back end and in front end is not st- uh, strictly in the rut. So what you start seeing, he comes out, he's losing traction and the key to be able to get onto that that triple on that tabletop is having the rear end driving forward. Like you don't want to come out that 180 and then have the rear end go down and come back up. Because what happens when it comes back up, you got to sit back into it to get the squat to jump off that, um, to hit that single to get on top of that tabletop. Otherwise, you're going to do what Jet Lawrence does. So what ends up happening with him, once he messes up that corner, you can see him not properly lined up in that rut. And if you pay attention, once he gets on the gas, you see his rear end actually come back up. And then so for him, he dabbles his feet, the rear end's coming up, and he keeps his foot off going off the face of that triple because he's almost going to use his foot as a uh, another like anchor to keep that back in to actually squat because he's not able to get it squatted. And he knows he has to get that thing down to keep that as an anchor to help him load that rear end up. And again, all this is set up because he didn't get in that corner like properly and he doesn't, he doesn't get the traction to get out and the rear end is coming up. So he keeps his foot off and people say like he dabbed his foot and that's what caused that his rotation. No, like I said, he kept his foot off as an anchor to get that rear end to squat, to make sure it squats. Well, when you look at it, he keeps it, he does everything right to recover from what he's doing. But he's not actually like straight up and down. He's still kind of leaned over. And it's almost like he 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 goes off that face and he's I wouldn't say getting cross rutted, but where his his tire is more spinning on the side knobbies instead of being straight up and down to where he can actually get full traction off them dunlops, it's starting to spin. And that's why you see him with his foot off and the bike's just it's spinning up rather than actually hooking up with traction. And it wasn't his foot. He dabs his foot because he's not actually moving forward like he thought he was, but he wanted his foot off to have an anchor to keep that rear end squatted. So again, all that was set up because he gets in that corner and he doesn't get in there properly. And all the guys to hit that triple, you're going to see one consistency. 
come out of that corner, the rear end's going to stay down to have that traction to jump off. And when Jet Lawrence messes that corner up and the rear end comes back up, he throws the foot off and he has to make maneuvers to get it um, sort squats again. But there was so much going on. And I think part of his foot being off threw his weight off to the right to right. And again, his, he doesn't have as much traction on the rear end and the thing just spins up and he comes up short. So I, I heard Jet say he was in neutral or, or something or somebody mentioned he was in neutral. He wasn't in neutral because the rear end, if you watch it, it's still spinning. And when he lands off that tabletop, he actually shoots forward. And it wasn't one of those things that he had too much momentum because if he had that, then he wouldn't have been nose diving. Um, he just he made a mistake in the corner and he didn't have the traction and the foot was off was the right thing he needed to do. And he did a good job at actually saving that. It actually reminds me of when my brother crashed uh, a couple years ago, same exact scenario. He comes out the corner, he starts spinning up and he doesn't shoot four. And a lot of that, we, we broke it down. Same thing comes out the corner. And when that rear tire, when that rear tire starts lifting up, you see that fender starting to lift up in a situation where it needs to be squatting down, those guys lose that traction and it, it just moves forward. So, um, I would say I'm impressed. Everything that Jet did with his foot being off um, and being leaned over, all that was dictated because he knew the only way to get on top of his tabletop, he needed to make some changes. And by throwing your foot off through that weight and through an anchor, but what has ended up happening, like I said, he ends up being more on the side knobby and not having that traction going straight up and down with the tires and he gets more spin and he just spins off the jump. So again, I'm impressed he kid saved it, but that was one of those things that was set up for being into that corner wrong. And he had to make all these different maneuvers just to get on top of that tabletop. And um, he came up short. Yeah. So with Jet's bike, we were just talking about it's being a little bit stiff, um, a little bit um, stiffer than most. Well, to me, when it looked the same, now they probably could click it out. I think the it didn't look drastically different. And I would say that maybe... If anything, it was because it, the soil was pulling it down. So that initial part of the stroke um, being a little bit stiffer, the soil is going to pull that thing down. So I think Jet would probably just be more comfortable on this track just because of the soil and the conditions. Um, rather, the, the, the traction, the, the dirt itself is going to make it a little bit double D-ish because it's going to help you soften that thing up a little bit on the initial. But what that part of what he almost crashed his bike was stiff. We, we talk about how, um, in the whoops, when he gets off the gas and he tries to get on the inside, for instance, the place that he crashed in the heat race at Anaheim, when he was behind Cooper Webb, like he was blitzing the whoops all the way to the end, taking the outside, where if he was trying to get to the inside where Cooper Webb, sometimes his bike wouldn't work as good. Same thing last weekend, like that whoop section, um, where they were saying that it was his line. Well, I was saying that duty when he's on the gas, it keeps the rear and squatted it's okay. It's when he gets off the gas. So part of what happens with this almost crash is the same thing. The rear end comes back up. The bike is still a little bit stiff and it starts spinning because he needs to put some weight on that rear end. So I don't think they changed it. I think if Jet, as I said earlier, if you would have got a bad start, I think some of the things that we saw last weekend with the bike, it would have came back out because you would have had to override it or you had to take that chance and you would have saw it. As I said, Jet set his motorcycle up the way he knows how to, what the most comfortable with him. 
And when he's comfortable, he goes really fast. Well, when you have to go faster or you can't run those lines, then you bring in other things and you have to hit things faster than you normally would, which is going to change the way your bike works and reacts. And so I, I would say the start and the track, the, the soil was more the biggest change rather than them actually making changes because his bike looked the same. There was some places that if you look at it, it was stiff. And, um, but I think overall, the reason why he was out front and he was okay was because he was dictating the race because clearly he was still making mistakes. So imagine being in the back of the pack and him having to ride even faster. Those mistakes would have came out more. So now with all that being said, I mean, we saw the dude almost crash and we saw the dude get into it last. He actually did crash last weekend and we saw him get into it with Ellen Hombre couple weeks ago and then we saw suntan dirty next on fire what was that i mean computer last weekend you didn't even want to give cooper webb the neck burn and i know he won but you know you know what it is because he actually did get a neck burn so jet i'm gonna finish it i'm gonna finish it but what i was gonna say was we are in detroit and we at home at eminem eight mile and we we say the rib shim sadie Please stand up. Well, we've been waiting for you to, like, come back. I was like, ah, he just playing. He just playing. You've been worried about everything else and not worried about everything else. And people have been talking about everything else, but they haven't been talking about you getting a neck burn because you haven't had one since January. And we are in February. That is a long time for Jet Lawrence. And it feels like I went forever because usually I'm saying some kind of Lawrence, Jason Lawrence, Hunter Lawrence, No Lawrence, James Lawrence. But everybody but Jet Lawrence. And why wasn't I saying that? Because he was not winning, people. He was not winning. But this weekend, he showed up in Detroit and did what the Lions were supposed to do and win. And Jet Lawrence did win. And when he did win, hit it from Cole. Suntan, next on fire. You get a double neck burn. Why? Because my computer, like, he was like, ah, ah, it just happened. And then he came back to round two and he got it right. So Jet Lawrence. You're back. I'm not even going to say anything like it's special. Yeah, special. Number two, only 70 more to go. 71, well, I think he'd be 73, whatever. So my math a little bit off, but congratulations, kid. You look good. And everybody else, they were doing what they have been doing all summer long. They were chasing you. Chase Sexton was chasing you. And he got the jet burned. So congratulations, kid. Good job. Now. This might be stretching a little bit, but a few weeks ago, we saw a bunch of the guys stop and celebrate with AP as he won. This week, we just saw Chase pull over, give Jet congrats, give him some props. Uh, no one else really had anything for him. Uh, is is there is that a sign of that the guys maybe still don't respect him? Did the last few weeks change that? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I, I think all the guys respect Jet Lawrence. I don't think they ever lost respect for him. They might, um, as far as the way he can ride and stuff, um, they might not. When I say you lose respect of your peers, it's one thing losing respect on like just as a person. But I don't think anybody loses respect as like a rider. Like I hated Chad, but I always had respect for him. Like I didn't like him as a person, but I respected him for what he was able to do on the racetrack. And I always would. And I think with Jet Lawrence, he was starting to, mud line a little bit on just his his antics and people just respecting him like what what you're saying you saw is when you win a race only one person comes up and congratulates you 
I think the difference is between Aaron Plessinger, it was his first one. And usually we saw even what Ken Roxon when he won um, last year, like everybody stopped, everybody, baby, baby, put baby down, you know, they come up, you know, um, I think that was more the fact with Aaron rather than the, they got more respect for Aaron than they did for Jet. I think everybody was truly happy for Aaron. I don't necessarily think everybody is truly happy for Jet because that's kind of what they expected. But I don't think it has anything to do with they don't respect him or the disrespect. They might not like him. They might not like anything that he does. And, and maybe the last few weeks maybe changed the opinion they, of, of who they thought he was. And that's stretching, but I don't think people stopping uh, like they did for Aaron Plessinger and not stopping for Jet or anything that has to do with respect. I think people congratulated Aaron, and I think people, you know, shoot, they were probably picking their tongue up out their chain still um, this weekend. And Chase is going to stop because I think for him, sometimes when you come up and congratulate a guy, like you're like, oh, dude, so happy for you or whatever, good job. Like you do it in a way that it's almost like I almost had you, bro. Almost had you. I don't even got my game. I don't even got my game. I'm going to come up and shake your hand. I'm going to let you know that I ain't afraid. I'm not going to just roll around you because I ain't worried about you. I'm close. I'm close. I feel like that was that that kind of handshake with Chase that he, he wrote good and he knew he wrote good. But I also think he probably felt I'm getting pretty close. And this dude, after all this turmoil, these last couple of weeks, he wanted to come out and blow my doors off because he'd been saying he want to blow everybody's doors off. He just don't want to win. Any, he want to dominate. And I was like right there. And I probably should have beat you, but I kept making mistakes. I wrote the KTM a little farther. I wrote it to like O and P. That didn't stop at the M, KTOP, whatever. You know what I mean? So if I calm down, I'm going to get you. I think that was that handshake that Chase had because – I mean, he had plenty of times to shake Jet's hand last year. Because, anyways, I think that was a handshake. But no disrespect, I don't think it had anything to do with the rider. So that's just my opinion. Now we saw, uh, at least I thought I noticed over the nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but I I noticed uh, also when Jet went over the finish line, he kind of gave a shush motion with his hand. Is yeah. that like it, it? Is it still on his mind quite a bit from the last couple of weeks? Oh yeah, clearly, clearly, it's on his mind. You listen to his interview; it's on his mind. Fan, fans been awesome, been motivating me a lot. So it's been uh, it's been good to come back and do good here. I mean, he did say something about a little motivation from the people, uh, the people. Um, so he heard it, and dude, we're all human. Like we're all human. We're young and. You know, it bothers me. So it bothers me when people say stuff that ain't true. Just doesn't bother me as much now. Don't really care enough to actually say anything about it. But, oh, he hears. Oh, he hears. And I think it's a fine line because you almost could take that and go the other way. Like, you could take it and try too hard and make too many mistakes where it actually seemed like he was actually doing that. Or you could take it and use it as motivation and know it's there and you get a chance to, it's almost like you got to use it as motivation, but not let it motivate you enough to change the way you do your thing. Because the way you do your thing is obviously the reason why they probably don't like you and they boo you and stuff because you are that good. But the reason how you got here is by being like you. So I think in Jet's position, he doesn't need the motivation to go faster. I just think it's, 
it's when he wins and stuff, like it makes him more, um, I would say, I wouldn't say nastier, but it makes him like, I'm going to beat you again next weekend. Like that satisfaction is, I think the fans and all the stuff that's going on keeps him being unfulfilled. Like he wants to just keep pounding you and pounding you harder. Like one win ain't enough because y'all booed me and you had disrespect. Now I'm going to beat you next weekend. I'm going to beat you again. I think that's what the fan side of things probably motivates Jet because he don't need it to go any faster. And, and I don't think he's riding at home saying, I'm going to do an extra five laps because they did this. I just think when he gets that victory and he gets to say, shh, he wants to do it again next weekend, that part probably motivates him to be more of a, a, a Cooper Webbish, that nasty mentality. I think that's where that comes in, and that's what helps him create that rather than going fast around the racetrack. All right, the 250 class. Now, we just saw, we saw with the West Coast swing, it was up and down. I mean, the kitchen was open and it was closed. And Joe, he probably still trying to figure out how to get off the gate. And we had RJ tripping over the popcorn, man. Like, we had it. And then we had, you know, Nate hitting that thrash. He hit the ground hard a few times, but he recovered. And then Jordan Smith, he finally sent that text, and he got dumped. But he was still hanging on with the red plate. So we were coming in 250. I didn't know who was racing, but I knew who was racing. I knew one person was racing, and that was Danger Boy. Well, it didn't start off as good. Like, it didn't start off good. It started off with, you know, Evan Ferry hitting that damn block, hitting the wall. Woo! He hit the wall so tough. It was a triumph. Bam! His race. It was, it was, it wasn't Cody Shockish, but it was, it sent Shockwave through Detroit. It was banging. And so for him, I knew Danger Boy, and he was in that. So as much as incited I was to see him, it ended pretty quick. It ended pretty quick. The 250 East class, I wouldn't say it's up and down like the, the West Coast where you got all the guys that they can win here and there, where the 250 East Coast, I actually think guys can win here and there. But the difference is to me is that I look at the guys that's racing 250 East, they could actually be the next one in that next dominant guy. To me, we saw what happened to Austin um, Forkner. Over the last few years, dude can't even make it down to start in heat race. He's already injured. So for him coming back through the outdoors and just finally building that momentum and, you know, making the changes with Rhino and, and some of the changes he needed to make, he's getting he's starting to build up. And what he was able to do last weekend um, at Detroit, I can't even stress to you how important that is mentally. I mean, that might change that whole guy's career. I mean, literally, he might change his career because he's always had the speed and he was supposed to be the next first danger boy. He was supposed to be Jet Lawrence and he just injuries. So for him to come back and get a victory, so I'm, before I dive into Austin, we'll talk about some other people coming to save you, Austin. And the difference between the 250 West Coast and the East Coast is that I feel like in the West Coast, you got RJ and you got those guys and we're waiting for the guy to kind of to make the least amount of mistakes and kind of get on a roll and take control of that series where I feel like when I watch the East coast, I see potential guys that actually could just be dominant. Like we with Austin, 
if he continues to build, he clearly has the speed and the talent. Like he can rattle off these things. And then obviously with Danger Boy, we saw what happened to him. We saw him have a baby. Um, you know, Hunter Lawrence that watched Hugo last year. We saw what happens there. So same thing with him. And then you also got the um, Chance Hymas, another kid that just looks great. And he obviously tipped over at the end of the race and maybe hurt his knee. But my point is, when I watch the East Coast, I see guys that are your next guys. And I see guys that once they click, they might just click off. Or the West Coast is like up and down. It's whoever makes the least mistakes, popcorn falling, text not being sent. And then so with all that stuff, um, even Dax Bennett. Dax Bennett looked good. Kind of reminds me of uh, K-Dub, a younger K-Dub back on the Yamaha. And when I watch Hymas and I watch uh, Dax, it looks like I'm watching two guys that almost looks like they're playing around with the guy in front of them. And I know they're not. It's just the way their riding style is. But they look so in tune in just the new era of that's the new style. Like that's kind of would say that's a pretty perfect style. Like if you can ride like that, like that's, you know, you can hang it out, but you're also super um, technical. They just look at doing it and just like, look like they can just go fast and faster, but obviously they're rookies and they're young. Um, well, Hymas is not a rookie, but it just looks like they're young and they haven't figured out that they're as good as they look and they're as fast as they look. So the 250 class, they're waiting for that baby to be born and that star. But we saw Danger Boy and we saw him end up and we saw him send the number one finger to somebody who didn't need the number one finger. Someone he thought caused it crash that didn't cause a crash. But, you know, that's, you know, it looked dangerous. And for people jump all over and they saw they I mean, they were people were just letting it all hang out. They were just letting it hang out. I mean, they would balls to the wall around here. They had some Oh, accidents. shit. <laughs> That's a new one. That's how it was. That was, uh, it was cold that night. It was cold up in there. So nonetheless, nonetheless, the reason why that first corner was caused, it was not because of the start. It was not because the greats. It was not because somebody cut somebody off and they didn't cut him off. It wasn't Chance Hyman's fault. I mean, yeah, he had nothing to do with it. And it was, somebody did cut somebody off, but it that crash is going to happen all the time when you have a start like that. You have a short start into a 90, into a rhythm section. The problem happens when you got the guys on the outside who maybe necessarily don't get the gate or you got a good starter like a Michael Lessey or Vince Freeze. Those type of guys, they line up by the box. That's where the trouble starts. When those guys line up by the box, you know they're a good starter. Well, when they're on the outside, they got to get to the inside. So you know they're going they line up that way because that's probably the best angle so they can not let off the gas, get into that first corner. So usually when you see those type of crashes, you'll see somebody on the outside come all the way across and they'll pinch that fuel off. And then you got the guys on the inside, which is what has ended up happening um, with Handmaker and then uh, Tom Vial. You got these guys, they see the outside closing in. So what you try to do, you try to beat everybody on the inside of you. So Outside closes down, at least I want to control the inside. Well, what happens is they pinch it off, and then they all start fumbling. Well, the track goes left. They end up going right. So, again, outside pinches off the inside, inside pinches and hooks on the outside, and then they start going right in the left-handed corner. But all that's caused because the way the track is set up. If you go back to 2014, me and Villapoto, it was a big pileup. 
um, same kind of issue. It's always going to be issues. My first year in Vegas, 2002, um, same kind of deal. When they, when they set up a track that the start goes from sideline to sideline, you're going to have problems, especially in the football stadium. Sideline to sideline on these types are not good because, again, you got everybody rushing into that small point. And then not only they got a rhythm section, which is, I would almost say, another issue because usually I don't like the rhythm sections afterwards because you got guys in the middle of the pack not sure if the other guy's going to jump. They usually get landed on and you see that accident. Or you have what you have right here. And once one guy goes on the inside, it takes out the whole field. So that becomes a problem compared to if you got a 180 or you have a longer start. Um, I feel like in football, they need to go, you know, Enzo to Enzo. Why? Because even if they want to make it um, tighter, usually when you go to Enzo to Enzo, you go, you got a 180. Like you don't really go into 90. Or if you go into 90, you have a long start to where guys can like back it off. Well, when you got it sideline to sideline, it is so short. Sometimes, in, especially in 450s, sometimes these guys don't even get out of second gear. That's how short it is. So you got all that going into it. And once one domino falls on the inside, it's going to wipe out everyone on the outside of them. And that's why you see half the field gets knocked out when one guy goes down. So, so when you're watching this start, it looks like Chance Hymas gets the best jump on guys. And originally, I think they thought it was him. Because he cuts off um, McAdoo, and McAdoo actually saves it, which, I mean, that's what he does, dude. That dude hits the ground. Like, between him and Nate Thrasher, like, they be hitting the ground. I think McAdoo took it up a notch, took it up another level by letting it hang out this time. So he saves it, and he's fumbling, and then you got um, McAdoo and then Forkner going into there. But the real issue where the crash comes from is back behind those guys had nothing to do with Hymas or anybody else. It's between um, Henry Miller and Tom Vial and uh, Seth. So when people watch it, you, you see Vial, he closes down on Seth and people would think, okay, Seth kind of knows that. So should he shut off? But if you look at it, Seth can't, he can't shut off because he's got Henry. So Seth is stuck in the middle because he's got Henry on the left side of him, and you got Tom Vial in front of him on the right side. So what ends up happening is Seth actually gets caught on Tom's um, bike. If he starts looking, he actually starts getting pulled, like his shoulder starts getting hooked up, and he starts getting dragged up. Well, once he gets caught, then that's when Miller shuts it off. Then if he wasn't caught, then he could have shut it down. But the problem was with Seth he had Tom closing down on him, and then he had Henry on the other side of him. So Seth actually couldn't shed it off because he he would have been hit. If he would have shut down then, he would have actually got um, caught up with Henry. He would end up having what happened with Vial. It would have happened with Henry because Henry was on the gas. He would have ran into him, and they would have went down. So Seth had no choice but to keep it on. And once Henry shed it down to where he could shut down Seth, that is, he was already caught on um, Tom. So before people were like, oh, well, why didn't he just shut off the gas? Like if he already knew um, Tom basically had that line, then he should have shut off the gas. Well, he couldn't because, again, he had he was stuck in the middle and um, Henry was still trying to beat the guys on the inside of him. And then you had Seth. So that was a racing incident. There was literally nobody's fault on that. That was just the way the race, um, the track and that's what happens when you have those first corners. But to avoid that situation, you got to actually change 
that layout of the track because go back to any video, any video, and you see that sideline to sideline on um, football stadiums into a section like that, um, you're going to have crashes all day. And usually it ends up when the guy on the inside goes down and you see one guy going right on left-hander, it looks, it takes out half the field, which makes it seem like a lot bigger of a deal than um, what it is. But what happened with Seth and those other guys, that happens every week. I mean, there's always tangles every week, whether guys go down or they end up like um, Cameron did, where they hook on the guy and then they end up saving it because, look, he gets off and then there's nobody next to him. It happens every week. So it's not the greats. It's not the whole shot devices, not none of that. The reason this crash happened is because the way to start is set up and um, you're going to have those issues um, the way it is. But damn. That was a triumph start for Evan Ferry. Damn, that boy hit the ground. And then, again, everybody else was tumbling. So once those guys get tangled up, then it's dominoes from that point. Everybody else is just along for the ride because, again, when you get one guy from the inside going to the right on the left-handed, everybody else is still racing. Like, they don't know what's going on. They don't know Tom Vial has got a motorcycle hooked on the back of him, and they're going into it, a.k.a. Danger Boy, he ends up being the the guy that gets hit along with other guys. So usually the issue comes into once the guys on the inside, the outside guys are still trying to pin in and get that whole shot, butterfinger, whole shot of war, whatever you want to call it. They're trying to get to that line first. And then that's why you get the domino effects and things happen quickly. And once they happen, it's like everybody gets caught off guard because Usually when that when you got a guy falling like that, it's almost like they speed it up like they're like everybody's starting to break. And then you got a guy getting hooked. He's on the gas or getting slung into it. So when everybody on the outside is breaking, then you got this bike like somebody just ran the red light and hit everybody. And then everybody gets in and then they end up getting that triumph hit like Ferry did and then going down and getting everything hanging out after that point. So I think it was really nobody's fault just the way it is. And you get guys who are upset, like Hayden Deegan, he flipping him off because he don't know. He don't know when he watches the video, he'll probably wish he can go back and retract that bird. Like you give him the bird, then you wind it back down. Maybe not, who knows? Um, but he, he'll definitely see that that was nobody's fault. And that was that. And then when people are saying, should they red flag it? Well, I'll never make that judgment call because I think as good as, um, Dr. Bodner and, and Asterix, AMA, like Jeremy, they know when to do that. And clearly, I wanted them to red flag it because I wanted to see, I wanted to see those guys up. You know, I wanted to see Cameron hanging it out up front, you know, but hey, they didn't do it. Like Danger Boy, he was out. Like they weren't going to be changing handlebars. So he was bummed anyway. But I don't think they red flagged it because nobody was really in the way. I think people wanted a red flag because half the field was laying on the ground, but they all got up. I think it would be different if somebody was laid out in the uh, the track and they were hurt. Then they would have red flagged it. But I know they came around the first lap. I think there was a bike there, but it got cleared off. So, yeah, just racing. It, it, it happened, and unfortunately it happened to half the field, and that was that. But I still think Austin Forkner would have won the race. I think everything would have happened the way it did um, because – Danger Boy, he was out. Yeah, and then I, I don't think Cameron, I don't think he wanted to start that race over because I don't know if he would have been able to tuck everything back in quick enough for they would have had him. That's the one thing. I don't know if they have that down there. Maybe the 
duct taped it or something. But he probably didn't want that probably would have hurt if he'd had to do another start. He might have been at an unfair advantage because he would have been like rolling around. It'd been like he was on skates. Yeah, they probably did a good thing. They probably AMA probably took consideration of that. They probably saw somebody hanging out. And they're probably like, nah, we don't, we, we don't really want to do this on live TV. We on network. You know, you know, I don't want to do that, even though they showed it. They didn't really want to show it again. You know how everybody's on the gate. They'd be like tucking. Can you imagine that? Like they would have to maneuver. Anyways, anyways, but it didn't matter because what would happen would happen. I believe Austin Forkner would have won anyway. I believe Whatever I believe, whatever ended up happening in the race, that wouldn't happen anyway. Why do I believe that? Because that's what I choose to believe. And I believe Austin Fortner, it was a long time coming. And for a guy that was just winning everything, kind of remind me a little bit of AC. The guy was just the next up and coming. The guy was just clearly faster. You're just waiting for him. Just kept getting injury after injury and injury. And I'm pumped for Austin because I've always been a fan of him. His uh, old trainer, Robbie Renard, used to be my favorite guy coming up, one of them. Dude had the bad style. Robert Renard, number 33 on the Kawasaki. Loved it, loved it. So for Austin, coming back from what he did, I get more proud of kids like that because it just tells you never give up in life. Like never give up when you got people out there like, man, you should just quit. You should quit. Guy can't feel his arms, but he's still out there fighting. Well, that's why he's fighting because they don't never give up. And Austin Fortin didn't give up. And I believe this is the first time he's ever got one on this show. I think we talked about him in the Stews, the Stews segment when he was whipping it and hitting people in the head or they were colliding in the air and going down. Or maybe that wasn't him or maybe that was him, but it seems like it always is him. But what this time was him was the person getting what for Cole? Suntan. Neck's on fire. Neck burn, Austin Faulkner. I know you've been in the class for a long time. And it's weird. You almost like Mike Brown status. You in this thing for a long time, but you don't even have enough points to point out because you've been in here, but you ain't never been in here. But seriously, pump for you, kid. Pump for you. Ain't nobody but you, son. You got a lot of help. Rhino helped you out. Rhino, you're my boy. You helped him out. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it was you, Austin, because only you are in the hospital bed. Only you decides to get up. Only you puts on them boots and goes out there. And we all try to help. We all try to cheer. And we need people to help you get there. But you made the choice. And you did this, son. And that victory is all for you. And that was cool to see. So Austin Fortner, great job. Straight up as a rider that's been hurt coming back. I mean that with all my heart. So good job, kid. Keep it rolling. And danger, boy. Keep the birds in your pocket. And Cameron, wear underwear next time, son. Whatever. Maybe you did have underwear. That's what you call busting everything open. Everything open. I appreciate it. Hey, I mean, wait, hold up. That didn't sound right. Yeah, that didn't sound right. All right, people. You know what time it is. We're going to have to come right back because I'm going to have to recover from what I just said. Stews and stews. We'll be right back. Bye. What the hell was that, Cole?
45 classes. 45 classes. Six. Thirty sets. Number one. Number one. Thirty six number one plates. Mini monsters. Mini monsters. Monsters. Twenty twenty four. Mini monsters. Mini monsters. Twenty twenty four. Wait, how do you say it again? Mini monsters. Oh, mini monsters. Oh dang. What's up, guys? Your boy JS Seven. Look, if you ain't got time to watch our whole video, which I don't know why you don't, make sure you go here and subscribe and check out our new channel where we're going to have some smaller clips, some clips that you haven't seen on our main show just for y'all. So make sure you subscribe, click, comment, do whatever you do. Watch our whole show, but come to this channel as well. Check out our stuff. See you there. All right, people, you know what time it is. My favorite time, your favorite time, stew and stew. Now, of course, you know what we always do? We always start with a stew. Do I need to explain it? Yeah, I probably will, because we probably got new listeners, so I'm going to explain it. A stew is someone who does it better than everybody else. I got it. Just when they win the race, it's a stew. You did it better than them, because why? Because you crossed the checkered flag first to them. A stew, sometimes it's a guy that don't win, but ends up winning. And then sometimes the stew is the guy that does something that makes no sense. But the only thing that makes is just a winner. And that's a stew. So first, stew, I'm going to just say Jet Lawrence. Now, you a stew because, yeah, you won. Clearly, you won. And you've had a save. And you thought maybe you went in false neutral. Maybe you did go in false neutral. And then we thought you had too much momentum. But you didn't have enough momentum. But... You save the jump, which is stew-ish, like, you know, like, you, yeah, you almost crashed, but you didn't crash. And then, yeah, like, you've been playing around these guys, and then finally you showed up, and then finally it was like everything that happened all year long, it just got erased almost two points, and then it'd be erased, or one point, then it'd be erased. But it just crashes fast. You the fastest, but you ain't the fastest. You the fastest, but you don't win. But when you do win, you win. And that doesn't make any sense, but it makes a lot of sense, which is Jet Lawrence, you is Stu. So you is Stu because everything else I just said. And my next one is really important to me. Now, Austin Faulkner, I already knew you could win. Now, I know there was probably questions in your head whether you can win or not because you couldn't stay on the track to be able to win because you kept getting hurt. But last year when we saw you come off the you went off the gate and you're like, and then you're on the ground again. And you knew when you were banging on there, you were like down again. And that was because you just came back from injury. Now I would say you a stew because you won. Well, you are a stew because you won, but stew to me is those guys that get up after being knocked down and continue being knocked down and being up. And when everybody says, dude, just quit, you're going to die out there. Just quit, man. Everything that can happen to you bad, it keeps happening. And you say, no, 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 no. I'm going to make those changes. And that dedication is a definition of stew. Not all about winning. It's about just doing it and just continue doing it. And yeah, you dominate sometimes, but never giving up. And that's what you are, Austin Forkner. You are a guy that didn't quit and you got back to the top where you belong. And that's the definition of an Austin Fortner JS stew. And that's exactly what you is. Austin Fortner, you a stew. And my next one, I'm going to throw a little one in here. Cameron McAdoo. Oh, yeah, you a stew, son. You a stew. Because you're so dedicated in what you do that you can let it all hang out. Like, you can let it hang out. 
Now, you imagine like riding a motorcycle, all my people at home. First off, we on national television. National television. Second, he got up. He realized right then that there was a cool breeze in this Detroit. He realized he saw the temperature change instantly. Now, it was cold, people. It was cold. I believe that God that can just continues knowing that his stuff is on display on the cold weather out there with some grip, like sea bouncing on the track, hitting the whoops. Like you got to stand up. Like I got a shot. I got a shot. And the thing was just all my fellas know that boy dedicated. He dedicated. He gonna let it all hang out for us to be talking about his his stuff. I mean, that's a stew. I mean, what else? Did you, I don't even, I can't even, I don't even know. It's kind of confusing to me. But Cameron McAdoo, I ain't done with you yet. But for this one, you a stew for continuing on, knowing that you about to continue on. You about to live something that ain't never going to be lived down. And that's amazing. So Cameron McAdoo, you a stew. You a stew for just letting it hang out. Balls out. Ah. All right, people, my next list. Stu, pissed off. Pissed off because these people can't get their pants right. Pissed off because you got somebody going on the inside and you go down in the first corner and yeah, you worried about like getting up, maybe handlebars bent, maybe like chain messed up, or hey, maybe, you know, you ain't got no fires wrong. You got a ball on your head. Nah, you got something else hanging out. Just Stewed. Now, I don't even know if you were stewed. You might have been confused because you saw the temperature. I know it was cold, but it got real cold. It got negative degrees cold. And you had to make a decision in your head whether you continue on, continue on, or you shut it down. Well, you kept going and you kept going. And you probably was wondering like, man, why? why?" I was going to say you were probably wondering like, why AMA didn't like red flag it. No, ain't nobody hurt. Nobody's hurt. Everybody got up. I know fairies. He's stuck in the wall over there. And I know Joe Schmoder. He ain't here. And he's trying to get off the gate. But even Joe would have been like, damn. If, the, if I need to get off the gate and that's my possibility, Joe ain't never getting off the gate. You were wondering why AMA did not red flag that race because my stuff is hanging out. That is the detrimental to the sport. That is dangerous. That is, that is the definition of need a red flag. People, we need a red flag. Now, in football, when somebody's helmet come off, they got to go off the field. They got to go off the field. Or the coach is going to have to call a timeout. They want him in the play. Well, if my stuff falls out, I mean, God forbid he gets caught up in the chain. Are you serious? Are you serious out here? No, 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 no. Y'all need a red flag that. Because otherwise, I'm Cam McAdoo. I'm dedicated. Y'all see me hit the ground and y'all see me get up. Y'all know I don't care. Y'all know I'm tough. So I ain't going to let nothing swinging around, little thing hanging around. I didn't mean that camera. I didn't mean to say little. I was was, that baby leg hanging out, pants. That ain't going to stop me. That ain't going to stop me. The ground don't stop me. Sometimes I be hitting the ground so hard. I'm like in that category of like, whoa, the ground be like, no, here's Cameron. Well, y'all should have stopped that because y'all know I ain't stopping. And I know when the fans are out there, like, wait, 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 honey, honey. When you got to turn the TV and the little kids can't watch it, 
That is not cool. That's not good. It's a family sport. Cameron out there slanging it. He out there slanging it. Literally slanging it. And to get a 15 place out there slanging that joint, I know it's confusing to people at home. You had to mute TV and it was like probably blurry. Or you probably wonder, hey, why, why they, is that little, is that little, no, that ain't it. It's confusing. So Cameron McAdoo, you got a stewed and you confused and you probably a little stewed because you wonder why it's a detriment to the sport. It's dangerous out here with me slanging it out here. Like I might go in and somebody might get blocked past by a baby leg. Not good. But you held on and y'all know I ain't quitting. So Cameron McAdoo, you stew confused and stew pissed off and a stew. And that was it. So Cameron, keep it going, bro. Keep it going. People get the pants right. If you in a seven, that probably wouldn't happen. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We just kept it tucked in. You know, just we got a little pocket for that. You know. Anyways, people, that was it from round five. Where we saw what we saw. We saw Jet Lawrence do his thing. We saw Austin Fortner come back. And we saw Cameron McAdoo let it boss to the wall, people. We saw it all. We literally saw it all out there. We didn't know we were going to go to a uh, AGN convention or whatever, one of those things. But Cameron did his thing. He hung it on like Cameron. Cameron. We can start saying Cameron. And before y'all say anything, people, shut up. Shut up. You can't judge a man by his... His thing, it was cold out there. He had them things vibrating out there, and it was it was on display for 80,000 people or how many people in that stand to see Cameron McAdoo. But we always going to remember that. Literally, we always going to remember that. It's going to make you. Anyways, Cameron, keep it tucked. And until then, people, congratulations, Austin, Jet Lawrence. And I'm done talking about Cameron's thing. Bye-bye now. <laughs>